G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. I met a fabulous lady there last time I travelled to Ethiopia who told me a wheelchair transformed her life. She'd been despairing up until that point, but a wheelchair meant she could get to the market, she could have a stall, she could earn an income. I was watching other uh, young women who sort of come as I was looking at this program, and I could see she was a role model for them. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, ever since Jane Edge was a child growing up in church, she's had a heart for helping disadvantaged people. Today, Jane will share her story with us and how the Lord cultivated her desire to help others and eventually led her to being the CEO of CBM Australia, a Christian charity organisation devoted to working alongside people with disabilities living in poverty. Jane Edge is chatting with Eric Scadabo. Jane Edge, welcome to the program. So great to be with you, Eric. Thank you. Glad to have you with us. And before we get started finding out your story, I wanted to ask you, is it Christian Blind Mission or CBM? So we're CBM Australia and and Mm -hmm. CBM around the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were Christian Blind Mission. And really what that shift is about is recognition that our work is so much broader than avoidable blindness. That's still very key. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I share with you the, the origin story of CBM. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually the, I guess, the life mission, the calling of a German pastor called um, Eric Christoffel. And originally, actually, it was Christoffel Blinden Mission in huh. Germany, for example. Okay. But his work took him to the Middle East, to Persia, and, you know, over 100 and probably 15 years ago now. And what he saw there was actually children with all kinds of different impairments, and that's the heart of CBM. The work began from the call on his heart to respond to that situation and that imperative, that gospel demand of us to to ensure that the least of these are at the table. And so it's interesting to sort of come almost full circle and be able to share more with your listeners that broader uh, remit of CBM's work and, and really what began the work. Mm-hmm. So a lot of listeners, when they think of CBM or what formerly was Christian Blind Mission, they think of Miracles Day and all the wonderful surgeries that give people sight in developing countries. But you're saying it's much more than that. I'm saying that's integral to our work still. Uh, avoidable blindness is um, something that we can solve, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so that's key to our work. What we also do is a lot of support to people with disabilities who are in poverty who don't have the option of a of a surgical intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, so we support them. And, you know, a billion people in our world have a disability. Mm-hmm. The vast majority are in extremely poor situations. So we ensure that our work is inclusive in terms of the eye health work, community mm-hmm. mental health, and we make sure 
that we are creating spaces for people with disabilities to have a livelihood, go to school, be part of their community. So it is that two elements or, or broadly that sense of making sure we're, we're achieving for those who can have a surgical intervention and those for whom the pathway is different. Okay, and for you personally, going all the way back to your childhood, you've always had a heart for helping people who are disadvantaged. Is that right? Yeah, and, and it is interesting to think back. I, I would say my my biggest inspiration as a child was really my mum. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mum and dad emigrated from the UK. I had my first birthday on an Italian ship wow. uh, in the 60s coming out here, yep. and they settled in a in a country town in New South Wales. Um, my dad's brother lived there. That was the connection. But it was a, a big leap of faith, I think, for them. They didn't have any other connection. Um, but my my mum and dad wanted a better life than what they thought they could create in the UK uh, at that time. And she was a woman of extraordinary faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was the one who encouraged me to always think about how to bring my talents and gifts to do good things in the world, um, to think about what I was being called to do. And um, I think that sense of growing up early on, certainly again in a social housing setting, um, that changed as they found their way into work and, and, you know, my sister and I went to school. But I have that sense very early on of my parents really being strong work ethic, deep faith, particularly mum, and that desire and encouragement to use my talents for good in the world. So that's really the the driving force, actually, even though she's been gone a long time now. Um, I lost her when my daughter was only um, 15 months old, mm. so a long time ago, but yeah. she is still so, her, her influence is still so present for me. So that's certain, certainly where it sprung from and of course going to church at a time when you would still have people talking about their experiences in developing countries coming and sharing the work and ministry that they might be doing overseas and as a young country kid it was just confounding to me that how could this be how could there be people who can't have food for days Mm. at a time Uh, people who can't get healthcare for their kids even then and at, at one level you think as a kid oh lucky them there isn't a school but you very quickly realize <laughs> yeah um that, that that's not a great option and um so it was very powerful that social justice dimension mm-hmm. in my church community um as a child at, at school and, and at church and of course with that inspiration i i had from mum that they were what sort of weaved together a sense of actually i want to stand in solidarity with that experience i want to be part of making a change in the world because this you know this is just it's so fundamentally wrong um all are loved equally by god we're all created in his sight and how can this be happening hmm. uh, so really that they were sort of the drivers from my uh childhood and when did you become a christian well, it was uh, part of my life from very early on. So baptised as a child, Eric grew up in the church and uh, continued the journey, uh, I think, as one of the most powerful elements of the Gospels to me is from James, and I guess this is what sums it up for me, which is essentially faith without works is dead. So I've 
been incredibly blessed to find my way through adolescence and then into the working life to be able to have a vocation really it's never felt like work Mm. so i was really fortunate for example to actually into journalism yeah that's what you started off in yeah why journalism what was it about that that attracted you to that well it's interesting um when i look back now and i think about it it was a tough environment i've got to tell you in those days you you probably know he had the tough, very stereotypical news editors, and uh, I learned a lot of lessons huh. early on, um, not always delivered in the best way. But, but what drew me to that is, I guess, the storytelling. Again, mm. there is an element of journalism, particularly at a, a community level or, or regional press, um, which was really the predominant stage of my career, where you're sharing community stories, actually. Mm. Yeah. Um, you're... Yeah. You're surfacing what's going on for people. And what I really gravitated to, for example, would be stories. I can remember a number that really impacted me. I remember um, an independent living centre mm-hmm. that was being um, created in, in a particular suburb. And, you know, the challenge of neighbours perhaps not coping so well with that idea And I went there and met some of the um, young people, so predominantly people with intellectual disability, for example, and met them and, you know, the love in the room, the spirit moving in these people was always so profound. And Mm. so I always felt a sense of responsibility to share these stories in a way that the wider community could perhaps come behind rather than feel uncomfortable about uh, centres like that because, of course, in Australia we move beyond institutions for people with disability. So I guess I became aware of those things quite early on in my career and that Mm -hmm. ability to use the platform that I had and my ability to write and storytell to actually create space. So I honed those skills, created space and voice. So I really enjoyed my time in journalism. Um, I did always want to, though, move into international development. Um, So this was my pathway into that. Mm -hmm. So what came next after journalism? Yeah, so I was able to actually join um, what's now Child Fund Australia, so another international development organisation, and I was responsible for marketing and communications in that organisation. And actually, over a period of time, I was with Uh, the Australian organisation and internationally different roles for 15 years, including becoming the CEO at the age of 27. Oh, wow. um, Which was amazing. Not everybody can say that. No, no. and A CEO at 27? Yes. So that was an extraordinary, um, again, leap of faith by the board, I think, at the time. Um, They must have saw something in you. Yeah. uh, And uh, I don't know if you remember Ruth Cracknell. Uh, a fabulous Australian actress. I'm sure many of your listeners will remember. A very formidable woman, I have to tell you. Uh, but I can still remember her sort of, she was in the interview panel at the time on the board saying to me, are you sure this is really what you want to do? And uh, I clearly answered that very convincingly because... Um, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I got the job yeah. and together with the board and team, we went on to do a lot of amazing work. So I made that move then to Sydney. Mm -hmm. But the thing I was doing alongside that, I suppose, that 
you know, I'm thinking about what is it that's moved me over the years? Where has the Lord sort of mm -hmm. spoken to me? And yeah, I did some volunteering as well, uh, my husband and I, before kids came along. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a community outreach program for the homeless in Sydney CBD. Um, so we would go into town, as it was, and uh, we'd do some hospitality, you know, coffees, sandwiches, but mostly it was conversation. Mm. You know, I'm talking the 90s now. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's it's really pains me that homelessness is actually, if anything, off the scales again mm. um, yeah. for us as a society. But what I learned from that experience, again, mm. in my 20s, was I met people who you know, we're, we are all just so close to being in the position of these people. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's sobering when so, you think so about it. It was incredible. Hmm. I remember meeting a fellow who had lost his job, had a nervous breakdown, lost his family, so so he divorced. Wow. Yeah. And he was still suffering the mental health challenges of that mm -hmm. which again mental health is um, one of the biggest dimensions of disability globally mm. and we all have seen what COVID has done to our communities in many different ways so that experience again showed me we are, are so close every day to being someone who experiences either that poverty mm -hmm. uh, and disability cycle um, so if you have a disability you're more likely to be in poverty and if you mm. live in poverty, you're more likely to acquire a disability. Now, that was true on the streets of Sydney, and it's at a whole other scale when you visit communities in developing countries. So that sense of seeing visible and, and invisible disability and, and having that really um, so starkly in front of me um, was a really powerful experience as well. Sort of at that time, the organisation I worked with wasn't, focused on people with disability mm -hmm. but as i look back i think about these experiences and how they formed my view you're listening to the story Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Jane Edge, the CEO of CBM Australia, which was formerly known as Christian Blind Mission. Jane is sharing with us her story and how the Lord cultivated her desire to help others and eventually led her to doing what she's doing today. We'll hear more of her life journey and more of her heart for helping others when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with more of Jane Edge sharing her life journey and how the Lord cultivated her heart for helping disadvantaged people. Jane is currently the CEO of CBM Australia, a Christian charity organisation devoted to working alongside people with disabilities living in poverty. Now, here's more of her chat with Eric Scadabo. You know, another story would be going to um, Arche. So that's the part of Indonesia that was horrendously impacted by the Boxing Day tsunami. It's an island, I believe. 
Yes, so Indonesia is an archipelago, so it's mm. a bunch of islands. Yeah, and Aceh is is one of those where it bore the brunt of mm. that tsunami, which killed hundreds of thousands of people. And again, when I was there, part of that team responding, people with disabilities essentially had made it a lot of mm. the time, mm. and there were many more people who had acquired a disability as a result of that disaster. And it made me think, you know, more and more about how does the work flex in a way that makes sure those people who are actually the most marginalised, um, how do they become part of it? Um, there are so many stories like this, Eric. I went to Vietnam again with this particular organisation. We actually, I, I led the establishment of program work in Vietnam, and I'll never forget going house to house in what would have been the demilitarized zone of Vietnam, mm -hmm. uh, where Agent Orange, for example, and oh, wow. whatever other chemicals had been used uh, were still present mm. uh, in the soil. And it, it felt like, honestly, it felt like every home I visited had a child or children with severe disabilities. Mm. It really was, it felt like every home because the impact of that was still being felt um, mm. decades, de a generation on. Mm. Um, and again, seeing that so starkly, so profoundly has also sort of been part of that building to, you know, my time at CBM really to have seen these experiences and realised, I think the big epiphany for me, Eric, coming to CBM and what really drew me to CBM was realising I've had this nagging voice um, for some time, mm -hmm. even in this great work that I was part of. And I realised what it was when I came to CBM, which was all of this work was excellent. It was very strong community-based activity and many organisations um, do excellent work uh, overseas. However, we were not working in a way that made sure the most marginalised, the people with disabilities, actually could access that work and mm. the benefits of that work, whether it was a self-help group and um, small loans to start a business, whether it was you know, how how could a woman with polio in Ethiopia, for example, and I met a fabulous uh, lady there last time I travelled to Ethiopia who told me a wheelchair transformed her life. Wow. Something that we just take for granted absolutely and she was very emotional because she'd been despairing up until that point but a wheelchair meant she could get to the market she could have a stall she could earn an income and she was such you know Zinaba's her name an eloquent advocate if you like and this was in a rural very poor part of the country and yet I was watching other uh, young women who sort of come as I was looking at this program, and I could see she was a role model for them. So there was another young woman with a disability, and and she, it's that classic, you can't be what you can't see. Her ability to look at Zenaba and realise what she had been able to do, which was essentially fulfil her potential, yeah? This work enables people to fulfil their God-given potential, and it was that epiphany for me that we... Really, when I think about my career up until CBM, I feel like we'd missed a trick. We had mm. missed an important emphasis 
that uh, is why I'm so passionate now about making sure every organisation we can come into contact with, um, we can help support, influence, engage, so that whatever they're doing is also inclusive of people with disabilities because we mm -hmm. can't be everywhere. Yeah, CBM yeah. Does, does great work on the ground and we want to influence in such a, a much more bigger way, a catalytic way. Mm -hmm. Now, for you personally, before joining CBM, you had moved to the UK, is that right? I'd actually had some time in Bangkok. Oh, okay. Um, so oh, with world my traveler. husband. And, yeah, I've been a few places. <laughs> so that's an interesting leap from Bangkok to the UK, I can yeah. tell you, from the tropics and yeah, the humidity to, uh, yeah. <laughs> to that setting. But that's right. So my husband and my then three-year-old um, moved to Bangkok, where we stayed for well, probably over a year or so. So the Bangkok experience was very much um, a chance to be in the region mm -hmm. uh, again. And certainly uh, the experience of living in Thailand was, again, very profound. Mm -hmm. um, lots of poverty and the chance to I guess, more readily visit the countries that I was uh, enabling and supporting, which was sort of Timor to Afghanistan. So um, that was a wonderful experience for us as a, as a young family. Uh, there was a, t a point, though, which reflecting with my husband and through prayer, we realised it was time to take another leap of faith, if you like. So I actually mm -hmm. left that general management space, and I had been in that since I left school at 17, wow. um, really. Yeah. And quite big responsibilities at young ages. And it really was a leap of faith. So my husband had a sort of contract role. Um, he's in IT professionally. And the theory was it was going to sort of be a sabbatical, Eric. Um, oh. But five and a half years later, <laughs> um, we were still there and I'd had a second daughter, which was such a blessing. We weren't sure she would come along and she did. So that was a period where I spent time developing, I suppose, more of the skills that I was really passionate about. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also did some qualifications in executive coaching. So again, oh. my passion is unlocking potential. So I love a coaching experience because I had the benefit of one in my career that just unlocks such powerful learning um, mm -hmm. when you have a good uh, experience in that way. So I found then we were looking, so we had the two kids, um, we, again, sort of felt like there was a call to do something else next. And it wasn't necessarily Australia that we were going to think about coming to, but the, the role at CBM at the time was Chief Operating Officer. Mm -hmm. And I had a few discussions with John Jeffries, who was the CEO at the time, a wonderful Christian leader. And I realised what an opportunity uh, CBM would be, again, to bring those gifts and talents. Yeah, it says here in your bio that uh, CBM provided an opportunity for you to bring together three things that you love, your leadership experience, your commitment to social justice, and your faith. So how did those all fit together for you? Well, one of the big attractions, of course, is CBM is a faith-driven organization. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, as a Christian organization, justice is at the heart and advocacy for the marginalised is at the heart of what we do. So that was a huge attraction for me. Uh, being able to put my faith into action has always been a driver. And mm -hmm. uh, so that felt like coming home a little. And uh, 
And then, yes, the leadership coaching experience uh, coupled with a deep experience in international development work did all come together and it was a great team and doing amazing things. That was part one of Eric Scadabo's conversation with Jane Edge, the CEO of CBM Australia, which was formerly known as Christian Blind Mission. CBM is probably best known to radio listeners across Australia for their annual Miracles Day, which raises money to provide sight-saving surgery to someone living in the world's poorest places. Next time, we'll hear more of Jane's story and about how seeing these cataract surgeries and getting to know the people has impacted her personally. It's all coming up next time. Meanwhile, to learn more about CBM and Miracles Day, you can go to their website, which is cbm.org.au. Once again, that's cbm.org.au. Finally, we'll end with this verse from the Bible that reminds us that we are to be a blessing to those less well-off than ourselves. Luke chapter 14, verse 13 says, When you have a supper, ask poor people. Ask those who cannot walk and those who are blind. You will be happy if you do this. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Well, thanks for joining us for part one of our conversation with Jane Edge. Until next time, when we'll hear more of her story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. There are a billion people in our world living with disability. There are over 90 million people with cataracts that could have their sight restored. And my dream would be that we have managed to change the way we all work in the world so that those most marginalised aren't always at the end of the line. Jane Eds joins us once again to share more of her story and how her lifelong desire to help others eventually led her to becoming the CEO of CBM Australia. We'll find out about the impact this has had on Jane's life next time. The Story, just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.